Hi, you guys. This is Liz Ryan, and it's the Truth About Work podcast. This is episode 21, and we got a situation to talk about. This is a letter from a listener or reader of our stuff on Twitter or LinkedIn somewhere, but here's what they wrote. Dear Liz, I am not a manager, but I often interview candidates for job openings on my team. I just received the roster of candidates interviewing next week for all open roles in our office. One of the candidates scheduled for a second interview, not with me, is someone I worked with before. This person is horrible. At my last job, she antagonized everyone on our team and ruined the work environment with sniping, backstabbing, and generally being an awful person. I'm not scheduled to interview her. Is it any of my business? Should I say anything to anybody about her? She is interviewing for a job in another department, not mine, but our two departments work closely together. She is very well-spoken. I have no doubt she will impress anybody who hasn't worked with her already. Should I speak up or stay out of it? And um, this poll on Twitter is not done yet. It has a few more hours to run, but so far, it's 89%, whoops, 89% in favor of speaking up and 11% say no, button your lip and say nothing. And um, it's a great, great question because it sits at the juncture, right, of the two energies that show up at work and whose confluence or intersection causes us so many problems. And that is human energy that we feel, that we know from our experience, not just even in our own lifetimes, but in our gazillion years, 100,000 years as something like a species, you know, on the planet, you learn some stuff and you learn to notice energy. And that's kind of what we're talking about with this negative experience at the past job with this particular woman. Now you could say, why should one employee get to influence whether or not somebody else is hired? That's you know inappropriate. And I understand what you're saying because we all have that um, you know, a, a feeling that we should lean in the direction of sort of law and order and there's a process and let the interviewer discover whatever there is to be discovered, if anything, it has nothing to do with you. But I fall with the 89% in the poll saying, I would say something because there is a human energy at work that is actually the one that powers any kind of success by any metric, trust and belief in the team and wanting things to go better rather than wanting things to go worse or not caring. And you do take just a little risk, even if it's social risk, saying, you know, I worked with this person and I'm only one person and it's just one opinion, but I experienced a tremendous difficulty working with her and that could be me and people also change, but I just wanted you to have the benefit of that because I saw her name on the interview roster and I did and I recoiled because the associations unfortunately are so negative from me from this job two years ago or whatever it was and that's it you said your thing and everybody gets to incorporate whatever data hard soft impressions they want but it isn't you know slander if it's from your heart and it's truthful 
Um, I heard a terrible, terrible, terrible story about this very topic. And we all, again, want to want to really insist on fairness. And, you know, we sometimes push away the natural world, the human world, which is part of nature, right? It's part of that world. And, and, and say that has nothing to do with anything and who cares about your subjective opinion? Well, what's objective when we're talking about humans? Tell me what's objective. I'm not a fan of these fake ass junk science pre-employment personality tests that are supposed to take these decisions out of human hands and say, no, it's a personality test. It's, give me a break. That is just the opposite of science because look at both things that you're measuring. Uh, you know, d does this test say this person has these qualities that we completely subjectively said we need in this role? Oh yeah, the test says this person has these qualities. Oh, and did this person succeed in the job based on a performance review a year later? Oh, heck yeah, they did an amazing job. I'm sure the fact that I'm the one who set the criteria that they were subsequently measured on and found to have a complete correlation with, and then I hired them, had nothing to do with it, but they did an amazing job this year. Come on. That's a closed system, right? That's not, there's nothing scientific about that. So I do believe in the human stuff and I believe in trust and integrity. And I think that, you know, um, we have to take that little risk to say, I'm gonna listen to this employee who had a God awful experience with this person. Um, I, here's, here's the terrible story I was gonna tell you. Who told me the story? Mm. It's a few years ago. I had an in-depth conversation with whoever told me the story, so sorry I can't remember, but it, but it was a woman, uh, somebody maybe my age or a little bit younger, who told me the story in a, in a social setting and really wanted me to hear it, and I can understand why, and so will you when I tell you the story right now. <laughs> she was in a book club. Okay, yeah, she was in a book club, and she said, in my book club, there are five or six people, really cool, fun, awesome people, and I've known them forever, like 10 years or more. They were in this book club. We're all fast friends, and we share just a lot about our lives, and it's great support in addition to the literary stuff, the books we actually, you know, dig into in the book club. And so one of the women in my book club told me a story, Liz, that I really wanted you to hear because it gets at that juncture of the sort of legal, formal, um, you know, boxy, algorithmic thinking and informed by left, right, you know, black, white thinking, all that. Someone's right, someone's wrong. There's a policy. You fall on this side of it. You don't. All that kind of stuff um, versus the human world that we actually inhabit if we inhabit a human body. And so what happened was my book club mate, we will give her a name and call her Sarah, Sarah, um, you know, has told us over the last few years her really grim and grisly story of getting away from her ex-husband who was abusive and, and, you know, violent at times and horrible and just a really not well individual and was hospitalized, you know, involuntarily and God bless, right? Completely love and compassion and all good things for everybody who needs any kind of help. But she was not safe around this guy and had to get away from him many, many uh, dollars to lawyers and, and restraining orders. And she felt like she had created a lot of distance and felt very much safer in her life. So thank God. But the whole book club had been with her through this entire experience over like three years. And the guy was, you know, no longer in her life, but was still out there. 
And this guy, this same ex-husband came to apply for a job with the woman who was telling me the story. She had already heard about the unbelievable stories of abuse and stalking and awfulness and threats and horribleness from this man. And so to a good friend of hers, he did not know her, didn't know her name, didn't know she was friends with his ex-wife, but she, the guy interviewed in her firm. It wasn't a firm. It was a social services agency. And he has all the master degrees and all the stuff. And, um, she, saw his name on the interview roster, just like the person who wrote to us and said, no way, don't let that be the guy. And she only glimpsed at him. She did not interview him, but it was the guy. It was the same ex-husband. And so um, she told her boss, she said, you just have to know this between you and me. I am good friends with the ex-wife through my book club. And you need to know a couple of these things about this man. And her director said, you know, our, the way our agency is set up and funded and constituted and everything, that is not admissible, like, uh, uh, you know, relevant, that, that information you shared with me could not be part of the hiring process, you know? It's not, it's hearsay. It's, it's you know, and the woman, the book club woman who, who, who knew the danger to her friend said, well, I just couldn't stay working here. If you hire him, it's fine. I'm not going to be here, though, because I'm just not going to do it. I've heard too many stories about this guy. It's, I'm not going to say, like, oh, I'll probably be on his good side, and it'll be fine. We're going to be close co-workers. No. And the director did whatever. The guy had the qualifications on paper, but there were just a couple of, oh, someone thought that his, you know, his analysis of certain issues was incomplete, and they fudged it and whatever, and they didn't hire him. But she had to really dance and prance to not hire him because he had the qualifications on paper and there's something wrong with that. We get to read energy. And yes, people can have vendettas, vendetti, and you know, there, there, there can be, uh, there can always be um, every, every kind of um, confounding influence, you know, from favoritism to personal grudges to who knows what out of work relationships but what about just physically being safe at work and so that information about no 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 i have heard the detailed stories and i can show you you know court filings if you want to see them nope it's not supposed to go into the algorithm even if you and everybody else here is potentially at risk guy hated women was you know a huge part of it so I am glad that this woman told me this story because it, it speaks to what's broken. There has to be a melding of the human and the energetic and the formal and the quasi-legal and you know the way we have looked at business and the working world is, and government is like, it's left or it's right, it's green or it's blue, it's, this is what it is, everything is categories and tick marks. I, I'm horrified uh, by any kind of violence and workplace violence in particular because people are there, you know, basically just trying to get through the day, trying to do their jobs. They should not be at physical risk. But, you know, numerous workplace violence events have happened because the company administratively thought, oh, we terminated this person from the system. Yeah, they might have forgotten to invalidate their ID badge so they still had access to a building. That's happened in a couple of high profile 
workplace violence accidents un- unconscionable, unimaginable. If someone seems like a danger, what is taken? What action is taken to, to help them and also to pr- 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 protect the other employees? But we have this idea like, oh, no, administratively, they were, they were already terminated. Yeah, exactly. That's why they flipped out and came back to the workplace armed. How, we cannot ignore that piece. That's the fundamental piece before anything else, before we talk about whether somebody gets paid next week or they're separated from the payroll and whether we pay them their vacation time and all that. Are people safe at work, safe from COVID, safe from angry you know, ex-husbands with problems? That's got to be the focus. So that's why in this case of the person who's asking, should I say something about somebody that I know from a past job? Yeah, it's not to be difficult or bitchy or gossipy. It's literally to say, I care enough about this environment, sticking my own neck out just a little bit to say, I have personal experience. I'm not trying to, you know, be a snitch, but I'll tell you the stories and you decide whether that's the energy in a person that you want on the team or not. I don't think we can lose that. If you think about a company, forget about massive corporations. You think about one person who has the idea for a company. Who do they hire? Probably initially people they know or worked with, family members, people from high school. It's that is more important to them than, oh, that you're so supremely qualified for this job, right? Somewhere as the organization grows, we typically lose that and say, of course, we need more specialization, people that know IT and people that know finance and people that know how to sell this type of product, all of that. But, it, but the inner core of where you trust is, is, is people that you trust. You know, it's, it's, and so building trust at work is obviously critically important, especially as companies get bigger or organizations get bigger. And maintaining trust when it's built is, there's just nothing really more important than that. So yeah, that's kind of my sermonette for the day. See what else we got here. Oh, had a question. How do you answer the question, Liz, what do you do? When you're in reinvention, you're working a small mic job that you would not have unless you that's the only job you could find at the moment. You don't know what you want to do next. It's a stress factor. It's confusing and frustrating and all that stuff that reinvention is, particularly when you think that people are judging you for not knowing what you should be doing next career-wise or not doing it. So how do you answer the question? What do you do? Well, here's the thing. You never have to answer that question, what do you do with your job title? I think a lot of people think that we always have to answer that question with our job title because that's traditional. It's a question from networking events, right? What do you do? And if you want to spit out your job title, you can, but there's no obligation to. Anyway, it doesn't matter what your job title is. We are all much more than our job titles. So if you work at wherever, Bed Bath & Beyond, Starbucks, uh, and you say, you know what? I am a poet. That's the number one thing that kind of grows my flame. I just write poetry. I haven't had anything published yet, but I'm kind of finding my uh, poetic voice and just exploring that. Or I'm in this 
quest to figure out what what to do. I've had five or six jobs that I like various pieces of different jobs, but I don't know that I found my my you know slipstream, my Gulf Stream yet. But you know, it's a project in itself trying to find that. But the bottom line is, you don't have to apologize for anything you've done or haven't done, right? You know, um, it's it's such a sorting device, isn't it? When you talk about yourself, only the people who get you end up deserving you. Not in the moment. It takes people time. Sometimes they don't get you at first and then they see you again and they're like, oh, I really kind of like something about that person. They're different or whatever. I can't tell you how many times I've interviewed a job candidate and they said something that didn't square with what I had always heard or what I had learned or what I was proud to have acquired, you know, information wise. And it startled me. And that startlement uh, was, you know, is, is jarring and it's not always pleasant, right? So I don't think I've ever said, yeah, you know, I don't agree with you or whatever, because who cares you're in an interview, it's not appropriate. But I've definitely probably had a look on my face like, what? Then 24 hours later, maybe 36 hours later, I'm like, wait a second, I see what that person was trying to say and I couldn't get it at first because I was stuck in what I already thought I knew about that topic. And I have learned so much from job candidates over the years, it's unbelievable. But we have to give people time to get us, you know, even in an interview, I would so, so strongly recommend that you bring yourself more to the interview rather than less because your attempt, all of us, our attempt to not rattle somebody and not freak them out and potentially make them mad at us because our ideas are unfamiliar or not in line with what they already thought they knew. No, go the opposite direction. Shake them up and wake them up. Because think how quickly we all fall back into our stupor. The more you shake them up, the more slowly they'll fall back. And the next day, they'll be like, oh, what, what was that candidate's name? They're riffling through pages on their screen. Who was that candidate that said that thing? Yeah, you, you run a gr much greater risk on a job interview, as I've said so many times, by falling into the chair. So... They don't even remember you. It's a real problem. Zoom interview, face-to-face -face interview. They forget the candidates. There's too much other stuff in their mind. Be memorable, be yourself, and uh, be, be spicy if it's appropriate to the conversation. And then the next day, they won't remember the spice. They'll just remember, wow, that person. Yeah, I remember that person. That person, I had a had a heady conversation, we talked about some stuff, you know, that's what you want to do. Leave an impression of you, an uh, energetic footprint stamp on the interview conversation. Yeah, so just to finish off today's podcast episode 21, um, before COVID-19, I met a man and he was funny. We were at some kind of school thing, I think, for one of our kids and we were chatting, yeah, and he's, I said, uh, we were talking, and, and he said, yeah, I read your columns and whatever, and uh, I said, what, what kind of stuff do you do in the daytime? 
And he said, I'm a sales manager. And I said, oh, you're a sales manager? What kind of sales management do you do? And he said, well, I call myself a sales manager and other people at some of my, um, my counterpart locations of my company also call themselves a sales manager, but officially our title is president, president of the bank. It's a location, it's a retail bank. I have a place that I go and I open the door and there's people that work there, tellers and bankers and whatever. And, um, you know, it's a retail bank. We help people, but it's really sales. And he was kind of jocular and almost kind of, you know, maybe edujated, kind of mocking his own job type of thing. And I said, so how do you like it? And he goes, day to day, there is nothing not to like. I mean, it's hard. There's quotas. I manage people. There's always people stuff. The customers are mostly great. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a pretty good job. You know, it pays pretty well. And I cannot complain about this job. And I also don't think if I went to any of our competitor banks, it would be significantly different. Like I've been there long enough. I have a voice. I used to have no voice and it was frustrating. I didn't agree with all the decisions coming down, but now I have kind of a bigger voice and I don't know if it's not my dream role, but it's fine. And I said, do you have something in mind? That's like a dream job you would do. He said, not at all, not at all, not at all. I'm enjoying other things I do. And he said, the main thing is I feel dumb when I say, oh, I'm a bank president of this bank location. Like you, when you just asked me, what do you do? And I went into the whole thing about I'm a sales manager. And I said, okay, so why is that? You think it's disreputable or what? He said, I just don't think I'm a bank president. I'm a sales manager. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like at my age, people might have a different expectation of me that I would have found something more, you know, whatever, more elevated, more, um, uh, based on my passion, whatever like that. And I said, okay, so we have then obviously reached a point in history where it used to be, go get a you know good solid job, which you've done. And now you're worried that somebody else is gonna say, oh, you should be working in an area of your greatest passion, my darling. I said, maybe the problem is who cares what anyone thinks? Who really cares? I am the happiest bank president slash sales manager ever. Maybe at some point in the future, I'll be drawn to something else. Right now, I thank all the gods and goddesses for this lily pad. I have a great team. I like my customers. Where's the problem? We are too attuned to other people's yardsticks. Like we care what someone else thinks. He thought I was going to judge him. He's a president of a bank. You can say, well, it's not like Mr. Drysdale on the Beverly Hillbillies when I was a little kid. The president of the bank, he's always golfing, you know? I asked my dad, how come Mr. Drysdale's always golfing? How's that his job? Oh, well, you know, when you get to be president. Um, who cares what anyone thinks about any of this stuff? You work at the fish taco place. You do whatever. You have a job. You're keeping body and soul together. You have a place to stay and you have some income coming in. You're already ahead of the curve. We will drive ourselves crazy worrying about what other people think. Only the people who get you deserve you. And I'm out.